welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. Your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand, as always. I wanted to take a minute and thank you listeners for all of your comments that you've been sending in and all of your questions that you've been sending in and all you guys who are listening. It's been a lot of great feedback from you guys about the show. And it really makes me feel like You know, like I'm doing what I set out to do by making this when I get that kind of feedback from you guys. Um, Because um, some of you guys have sent out really, um, really sincere comments about or really sincere messages to me uh, about, you know, the um, knowledge you've gained from listening to the show. And how it's really benefited you in what you were doing and helped you um, solve problems that you had while using gear, etc. Or lack of knowledge that you wished to have but felt confusion on. So, you know, that really means a lot to me that you guys have um, felt that way. So, thankful for the listeners. Thankful for the listeners on the show. And now let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the questions, shall we? First question is from Anthony. Yo, Dan. What do think keto diet and metformin together? Hmm. What do think, huh? I think it's a good thing. Because metformin, it stabilizes your blood sugar. Like we talked about on the last episode of the podcast, podcast episode 11, metformin, it doesn't give you hypoglycemia, even though it does sensitize your muscles to insulin. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't give you uh, like an insulin shock or hypoglycemia the way like injectable insulin does that because uh, it's just a sensitizing agent. And, you know, in my experience, it... Uh, like anecdotally in general and in my experience it stabilizes blood sugar and makes you not feel so many highs and lows actually because you know highs and lows in energy happen when you eat especially if you're eating carbohydrates if you're just eating a ketogenic diet 
actually your life your entire life has less highs and lows you're more stable and just um reliable and the same all the time it, it's a great diet the ketogenic diet or like just think of it this way just eating meat or like animal products only uh you know what that is such a good diet for like having a powerful mind for having your mind be on fire for having you be able to think of new ideas and be creative and have power uh, throughout the day, uh, mental energy without the need for stimulants and caffeine. Man, um, the ketogenic diet is amazing for that. Or as I say, just eating meat, basically. Just eat meat. <laughs> it is a great diet. It is a great lifestyle diet. And you know what? Metformin, metformin makes the liver not produce as much... Um, blood sugar out of protein so I'm sure that you guys have heard people say the term gluconeogenesis what that means is the liver does this process where it gets the protein some of the protein in your blood and it transforms it into a carbohydrate it does chemical reactions on the protein that you eat and then it's in your bloodstream. It does some chemical reactions on them. And those chemical reactions cause the protein to become a carbohydrate. And it stores it in your liver called liver glycogen. So in order to be in ketosis, you can't have a lot of sugar in your blood. Because you got to be running on ketones, not sugar. Not blood glucose. Well, you still have blood glucose, but yeah, you're going to be running on ketones. So when you have the liver producing less glucose because of taking metformin, it helps you get into ketosis quicker and stay in ketosis. So metformin helps quite a lot with ketosis. But one thing that you are going to have to uh, watch out for is that the first two weeks of metformin are diarrhea city so diarrhea and farting and uh, that's the way it is because what's happening is your digestive system the bacteria in there are adjusting to a different environment a metformin environment and uh, it causes a it takes some time for them to adjust let's just say that so a lot of farting and diarrhea for the first two weeks and then it gets better over week three and then it's back to normal by week four the other thing with metformin is there's a, a metformin smell associated with your poop and your urine your pee and the metformin smell is in every shit or piss that you do. You go, oh my God, there's some metformin. I smell metformin. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pulling your leg. This is a thing. But thank God it doesn't come through your sweat 
or your body odor or your saliva or anything else. It only comes through, <laughs> comes out through your shit and your urine. So thank God. There's no danger. There's no danger. You're not going to be walking around smelling like metformin while you're using metformin. So metformin, it's a good, it's a good diet aid. And it's also something that people use to be able to eat um, junk food. So it makes you absorb about 30% less of the calories that you eat. So you can eat like huge amounts of food and some of it just kind of goes straight through you. And you just like eat it and then like shit it out. So, <laughs> so that's like a tool that is used by some people to like have a more relaxed diet. Metformin. Because you can eat more junk food if you use that. And the usual dosages are like a thousand milligrams per day to two thousand milligrams per day. And in my experience, 2,000 milligrams per day is the sweet spot. Like, that's the dosage. It's, like, way better than 1,000 milligrams per day. And and that's the... But 1,000 milligrams per day definitely works. But 2,000 milligrams per day, if you take 1,000 milligrams in the morning and 1,000 milligrams at night, that shit, it seriously works. Um, it has a strong effect like on getting pumped and like having a really pumped up full looking uh, physique where you have that really full muscles just like freaking bursting from within look. Uh, it helps a lot with that. So it's a powerful, it's a powerful agent used at 2000 milligrams per day. All right, next question is from Gifford. What is the key to building up more and more muscle tissue that sticks with you cycle after cycle? What is the key to holding on to the muscle tissue you build? Okay, so for steroid users, sometimes they fall into this trap of liking the way that they look when they're on cycle and liking to like pump up in the gym or something and do a bunch of like this light volume work man that that muscle it just doesn't work as well as doing it like the dorian yates method it's all about the dorian yates method where you do a couple sets to like maximum freaking intensity you know like you do the the weights under complete control on the negative and then you do the the positive portion where you push it up you do that at the biggest speed that you can do it. You push it as hard as you can. And then you lower the weight on the eccentric, the stretching portion. You do that slow and under control where you can stop it at any time if you wanted to. Um, and you do that like heavy and get stronger. You know, even the IFBB pros that are really big and they don't lift heavy they are like really strong like they can lift really heavy weights if they want to um this is just a fact is that big guys are strong guys 
And if you want to be like really big, you got to make sure and you want to like build up muscle mass that sticks with you cycle after cycle. You got to make sure that you are getting like damn strong. So you got to be making sure that when you're doing exercises, like you're always going for like the hundred pound dumbbells or you've always got like, you know, the hundred pound dumbbells are above, you know, or like you always have like two plates loaded on each side or more of the barbells when you're doing exercises or, or three plates or something like that. You know, when you're doing exercises, um, you know, like things like bench press and bent over rows and things like that. Um, you got to be handling weights like that in order to be getting really big. And if you're taking a lot of steroids and you're not like happy with your progress over time and you're feeling like I'm taking performance enhancing drugs, but I'm not getting like as big as as big and strong as I think I should be getting. Um, it's possible that and I would say probable uh, that this this could be a huge a huge possibility that this is what's going on for you is that a lot of guys you know they're not they're saying I'm I'm taking a lot of roids but then uh, you gotta say well how much weights are you lifting and if those weights are you know if they're doing a lot of exercises like using less than 100 pound dumbbells you know on those heavy duty compound exercises or you know using less or less than two or three plates you know three plates or two plates ever you know <laughs> except for the little super light warm-ups but usually three plates or two plates ever you know not using lighter than that on like compound exercises with barbells uh so i'm talking about you know 45 pound plates or 20 kilogram plates uh on each side of the bar um They've got to be lifting those kinds of weights and that's got to be the kind of weights, you know, or more that they've always got on the bar in the gym. And if you can't do that, you like if, if you tried, if you know, you don't actually have to be doing those weights. Well, you kind of do actually, but, <laughs> but but let's just put it at this. Let's just put it at this. If you you can be doing whatever you're doing and be big. OK, but. If you're going to be really big, you could do those kinds of weights if you tried. Maybe you're not necessarily training that way right now, but if you tried, you know you could do those weights with good form under complete control and then accelerating the weight when you push it away from you and then during the stretching portion of the movement, keeping all the tension on your muscles and lowering it under complete control where you could stop at it anytime if you wanted to. If you can do those things with those weights that I said, you're going to be pretty big. So if you're taking steroids and you're wondering, why am I not as big as I think I should be? Well, take a look at those lifting numbers in the gym and ask, ask yourself, are those what I'm doing? Are those the weights that I'm normally using? Because guys who are really big um, and, you know, they are very strong also if they... If they wanted to, they can lift weights like that. And that's just the raw truth. 
you know, maybe they're not training like that right now, but if they tried, they could do those kinds of weights. You know, they're not ever using less than two plates on either side of the bar on compound exercises on their, uh, with the barbell. And they're usually using like, you know, three plates or more on compound exercises on each side of the bar. And when they're doing compound exercises with dumbbells, they're not really reaching like for dumbbells less than like a hundred pounds, uh, per hand for the most part. Like, you know, that's, that's just a fact. So that can be the reason that uh, you want to focus on that. And when you're doing your steroid cycles, you want to make sure that you are getting stronger on a regular basis if you're trying to get bigger. Because if you want to have stacking mass over time and mass that isn't just like blowing up on drugs and coming off and looking the same afterwards, then you have got to be pushing up you're lifting numbers in the gym over time. And man, that is like the number one piece of advice that I can give you in pro progressing in bodybuilding. It's so important. All right. So the next question is from Airboy. Can you build muscle on a cut such as testosterone and Primabolin without Trenbolone? I hear so much conflicting info. Also, has your personality permanently changed since advanced supplementation? I'm a lot less aggressive now after testosterone. Unless I get Winnie rage. <laughs> I'm a little confused on that last bit, but... Um, yeah, you know, if you're using a lot of testosterone and Primabolin... You know, such as like a thousand milligrams of each per week. It will have a recompositioning effect on you. So if you mean like, can you build a muscle? Can you build muscle on a cut without Trenbolone? Yeah, most guys could go on a thousand milligrams of testosterone and a thousand milligrams of Primabolin per week and just eat uh, like a bro diet. Uh, like beef and rice or, you know, chicken and rice, turkey and rice, potato, oatmeal, um, those kinds of things. You know, whenever they're hungry, just eat those foods, uh, those natural foods that are either eating animals or eating food, you know, that grows from the ground um, or products that come from animals you know, eating those foods, those food groups, and you get on a thousand milligrams of testosterone a week and a thousand milligrams of Primobolin per week, unless you're like freaking like way bigger, you know, that you probably wouldn't, you know, you'd have, you'd be huge, you know, a regular guy, a regular guy who is a bodybuilder, a regular steroid user could use those dosages and then build muscle on Primobolin and lose fat at the same time on Primobolin and testosterone. So it's a very strong drug. It's a very strong drug, and it works even better when stacked with an oral in there too, like putting 50 milligrams of Anadrol or 100 milligrams of Anadrol along with that, or putting like 
100 milligrams or 50 milligrams of Anivar along with it or the same dosages of Winstraw or like 20 milligrams of Superdrol per day along with it or actually 30 milligrams is probably the best dosage per day of Superdrol for like toxicity versus effect, enormous effect. Uh, you know, it it would be a very effective recompositioning cycle. And you know what? Then if you added two IUs of pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormone in there, well, now we're talking about like a serious, a serious recompositioning cycle. Eating that bro diet along with doing those things. Oh, and now here's one more thing. Now you throw in 40 to 80 milligrams of clenbuterol per day. And here's another thing. You go for a 10-minute walk after every meal you eat. And then you eat whenever you're hungry, those bro diet foods, and you eat as much as you want, and you take, you know, stack like this. Yeah, you're going to be freaking recompositioning without Trenbolone. Pretty much like no matter what level of bodybuilder that you're at. You know, like this is, you can definitely recomposition without Trenbolone. Okay, next question is from Thanos. Would you add human growth hormone and metformin on a bulking off-season cycle if your goal was to stay lean while adding mass? Uh, yeah, if you wanted to eat like junk food a lot when you were trying to stay lean and add mass at the same time, because it would like block some of that junk food from being absorbed. Yeah. And uh, in the last question by Airboy, too, I wanted to ask, I wanted to answer his question about has your personality changed since advanced supplementation? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've gotten older. Um, I started using um, PEDs when I was 25, and I'm 30 now. And obviously my personality has changed a lot or maybe I was 24 I can't remember I might have been 24 uh, so my personality has changed a lot during that time but you know I've really grown up because I mean you guys that are older there's a lot of really cool older guys too that are from like you know 35 to 55 60 years old age group that listen to this those guys have got a lot of great experience to share too and uh they know that you know when you're aging from 25 to 30 your personality is developing big time so well i've had um you know high testosterone levels influence me during that time but you know the temperament that i was born with it definitely shows today i mean that has never changed so, you know, the way I am today and the things that I do are predictable if somebody would have known me when I was a baby. So I'm exactly the same in those ways, you know. But, for example, though, my mom says that she can she she thinks some things are different, like subtle things like body language stuff like that okay so 
It does have an effect on you where people can tell by the way that you act uh, that something's a little different. But it definitely doesn't like change who you are at all. Um, and then obviously it makes you a little bit more emotional, believe it or not. Um, because your emotions are a little bit, uh, more spiky or they, uh, they're, they're more highs and lows a little bit, highs and lows a little bit. Yeah. Or there's more like peaks to them because, uh, you know, when you're messing with your hormones or you got fluctuating hormone levels, it's the same as like women on birth control, you know, like it causes problems for them sometimes. So that's why I tell guys that aren't like really serious that they know that this is what they need to do to, you know, live the kind of life that they want to have. You know, if they're just messing around, uh, probably just stay away from steroids and performance enhancing drugs, you know, unless they just wanted to do like one cycle or something to just figure out what it was all about uh, and then PCT and then know what that was all about than whatever but other than that i think that it's better to just stay away from performance enhancing drugs if you're not like positive that you know this is what is necessary to you know do the things in life that you that you want to do because it's a hassle that's like the best word for it it's a hassle it's a hassle all right, next question. Shaq, a question for a podcast. Is there a minimum amount of trend you could run without caber or prammy? Prammy pexel or caber going. Um, so this is the thing with trenbolone. Is it comes from progesterone, okay, which is a female steroid. You know, fe fe the female steroids and testosterone, uh, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, they all come from the uh, cholesterol molecule. So they're all very related and they can like, you know, testosterone can be transformed into estrogen and stuff like that. Okay. So even though trenbolone comes when they make it like in a laboratory, even though it comes from progesterone, <laughs> it, uh, it's still very close. It's like very related to testosterone at the same time. Okay. Um, you know, it's probably like the end product is probably, you know, trembolone is more related to testosterone than it is progesterone. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that trembolone is a hormone that actually exerts like progestogenic effects at the receptor. It like binds to the progesterone receptor. And it also does that thing with pro or with uh, prolactin all by itself where it rises the prolactin levels and you need cabergoin. That's from the actual trenbolone. It's not from like the estrogen it produces or the prolactin it produces or the progesterone it produces. That's from the actual trenbolone molecule. It just stimulates basically hella, re hella receptors, hormonal receptors. It gets in there to those hormones and it's just like, I'm stimulating you all bitches. <laughs> It's a hella strong hormone. That's what's up. Do you hear this California accent? This is my last month in California. And so I'm saying all these California words to you guys. I grew up here in California. And so we say hella shit down here. Hella shit. 
So is there a minimum amount of trend you could run without Cabot or Prami? This is the way it, ha it works, okay? Is that if you have any Tremblone in your system, it starts doing weird stuff with the, with the, if you're not having Cabergolin or Pramipexel running, it starts making you feel weird, really emotionally feel like really weird. And then also it has uh, sexual dysfunction effects and that starts as soon as you put any in you, okay? And then like 50 milligrams every other day is less than 300 milligrams per day. Uh, th 300, sorry. 50 milligrams every other day is less of these sexual side effects and mental side effects than 100 milligrams every other day. Okay? And as you increase the dosage from there, it just gets more and more intense until you like chemically castrate yourself while you're using it. And that usually happens for people somewhere between 700 milligrams per week of Trenbolone or 1400 milligrams per week of Trenbolone or you know 2100 milligrams per week of Trenbolone believe it or not guys there are people that fill up 3cc syringes of Trenbolone and shoot them every day okay uh, of Trenbolone acetate um, you know when you see with your eyes okay your eyes do not deceive you this is with fake natties, and this is also with, you know, complete freaks, like huge freaks that you look at them and you're like, what the hell am I looking at? Okay. Your eyes do not deceive you. Trust your eyes. They, they do these things. You, you think this is insane. You know, how could they be doing drugs like that? You know, three, three cc's per day. I'll tell you what. You put that freaking needle in the syringe or in the vial and you pull it back to three cc's and you put it in you, okay? That's how you can do it. And there are crazy motherfuckers out there who do crazy shit, okay? And when you see this stuff that is like, what the hell am I looking at? Um, when you see bodies like that, that is because of what the hell drug use. And that's just the way it is. Your eyes do not deceive you. I don't have to argue why. You already know why. You know, deep down, when you see that, what's going on. All right, so that's Trenbolone. Next question. Your take on... Oh, this is from ND. Your, te your take on Ment Trestolone. Is it worth using? It has a really high anabolic to androgenic ratio, higher than trend, looks better than testosterone to me. Yeah, so this is a hormone that was being researched in the 90s for HRT, hormone replacement therapy um, for men to like take this, you know, because birth control is estrogen and progesterone. That's how they make women infertile. Well, they're thinking, but it's not like the action. Most birth control pills aren't actually estrogen and progesterone, though. They're like, they're steroids, like estrogenic, progestogenic steroids that are alterations of the estrogen and progesterone molecule, making little changes to it to make it have certain effects uh, that are more pronounced in certain areas of the hormonal system, the same that anabolic steroids 
or like testosterone molecules usually, you know, or dihydrotestosterone molecules, and they're altered a little bit to express or try to express certain effects and have certain effects and uh, repress others. That's the same way that the birth control, like tablets or birth control injection is with the estrogen and progesterone. So with the trestolone, that's what they're thinking of doing for the men uh, for to make them infertile, like a, a birth control would be trestolone. And so they're researching this drug that has like a really potent infertility effect. And uh, it it also has a super strong anabolic effect. And it's true. This is a new drug that, you know, was just being really uh, researched in the 90s for human use. It never came out. It's never been to market. But, you know, the Chinese got a hold of the chemicals, the chemical formula for it and started producing it. And so now it's on the open market, Trestolone meant. And yeah, it's not a lie. It is. It is like super strong. It's like Trenbolone in the way that it can build muscle. I haven't used it, but I've been around people that were on it. I've been around friends that were on it, and I watched them use it. I watched them take the injections and use it, and it had the effect. It had the effect of uh, as strong as Trenbolone in the way that it could change their bodies. So that was pretty amazing. But the thing is is that they were using it at dosages of 50 to 100 milligrams per day to have those effects. And they, uh, yeah, that they were using it at 50 to 100 milligrams per day. So it had to be at the same dosages as Trenbolone, uh, like normal dosages to get it to work like that. And they'd take a little bit of testosterone alongside the Trestolone. Uh, he also asks, also, do you think IGF-1 LR3 is worth taking in replacement of human growth hormone? Okay, IGF-1 LR3, like from peptide companies and stuff like that, it works, okay? Like, if you have a cut or something and you're taking that, you can see it work because the healing is crazy fast. This stuff is way more likely to cause, like, belly distension and like hypoglycemia and side effects than human growth hormone though. So it does work, but I, I just don't think it's a good thing to be taking. I mean, I don't take it because I have taken it just for an experiment, taking a couple vials for an experiment for an experiment. And, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I only like pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormone. Next question. Valentin. Can you cruise on D-ball only, like 10 to 20 milligrams a day for two months? Adding proviron to this, maybe. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Eight weeks of 10 to 20 milligrams D-ball per day? Yeah, absolutely. This stuff used to be prescribed for hormone replacement therapy by doctors in the 50s and 60s and 70s like even the 80s when before the steroid control act in the in america when they made steroids illegal and then america talked to the other governments and had them make them illegal too <laughs> except for eastern everything in the west was like ah oh, steroids <laughs> that was america's fault and uh when that happened the doctors had to stop 
uh, prescribing them, a lot of them, for the most part, for hormone replacement therapy. You know, it's it's made a comeback recently, and more doctors have been doing it, prescribing more steroids uh, for hormone replacement therapies, a more variety, not just testosterone, bioidentical testosterone. Uh, but, you know, before the, the 1990s, a lot of these steroids used to be prescribed by doctors for hormone replacement therapies at various dosages. And Dianabol at 10 to 15 milligrams per day was one of those that the doctors would just prescribe it instead of testosterone at 10 to 15 milligrams per day of Dianabol and have them doing that basically indefinitely. And I don't know of their exact protocols with each patient. So take that for what it's worth. This is not medical advice and I'm not a doctor. So I'm just relaying to you what I've seen them report, what I've seen those physicians report in their, uh, in their published works. So Proviron will always increase your sex drive, and the D-ball creates uh, the estradiol through aromatization with the, when it interacts with the aromatase enzyme that is in you. And creates the estrogen so it gives you all you need you also need to have Novadex or Arimidex with you to prevent side effects on that cycle oh Valentin also asks is hypothalamic pituitary testicular access damage real so that's usually abbreviated HPTA and that's the system that controls your fertility okay and he says, can you permanently shut down your natural production of testosterone? I am now on testosterone because I can't recover no matter what PCT protocol I use, post-cycle therapy. I just crash. Any tips for going natty again? Yeah, usually it's uh, high dosages of HCG for a long time, like anywhere from 3,000 IU to 5,000 IU per week, and doing that from like three months to six months. Um there's studies online showing guys, uh, doctors have published things that they've done to try and help guys heal from being hypogonadal, from using steroids, guys that had long-term shutdown. This is the same kind of stuff that they do with women who are trying to get pregnant. You know, this is the guys who go into fertility clinics. Sometimes the doctors uh, post case studies, and these can be found online, and you can read them about hypogonadal um, fixing hypogonadism in men uh, who have used anabolic steroids if it's a really hard case and they went in and saw a doctor about it and the doctors that have had the most success this is again me relaying the results of their studies to you is they they prescribed their patients from 3,000 to 5,000 to 10,000 IU per week of HCG uh, from periods of three to six months in length and you know even the most severe cases using those protocols cured those guys that otherwise for years had been shut down you know had hypogonadism where they weren't producing testosterone or sperm uh, for years uh, because of steroid abuse so and then, you know, we have guys like Ronnie Coleman and Dave Palumbo. Uh, they, they've got kids. 
you know, most pro bodybuilders have kids. So no matter how infertile you are, your testicles haven't been destroyed. They're just really, really in hibernation mode. And, you know, if you go see a doctor, um, they're probably going to put you on some kind of protocol like this if they know what they're doing. Because uh, you got to see a specialist, you know, not a not a general practitioner. So, this is what's been shown to work. All right, on to the next question of the steroids podcast, guys, from steroidspodcast.com. www.steroidspodcast.com, baby. A gold mine of performance enhancing drugs information. If you stumble upon the website steroidspodcast.com, you will have stumbled into the California gold rush in 1848, the same time that James Marshall discovered gold in Coloma, California north of San Francisco. He discovered gold in 1848 and started the gold rush. And basically that's what's happening right now with you early viewers of the steroids podcast. You guys, you're the first ones that are getting to hear all this information that has never been available before to the public. So you guys are like the first guys right after James Marshall discovered gold in Coloma, California, up there north of San Francisco in 1848. Those first guys were down there. And you know what? Some Mormons were down there too. And some of those Mormons were the first ones in on the gold rush. And you guys are like them. You guys are like them Mormons. Some of the first in on the gold rush. Of this never-before-released information... From www.steroidspodcast.com, a goldmine of performance-enhancing drugs information. All right. Confession. I popped 40 milligrams of, sorry, 40 micrograms of clenbuterol. Have you heard my voice shake a little bit during this podcast? Yeah. Side effects. Next question. Matt asks, would gear help increase tendon size and area, etc., for us small wrist fellas? Or are we forever stuck with small wrists, small forearms, small arms? Yeah, anabolic steroids slowly over time help increase the size and strength of your tendons. And so your tendons and ligaments are the connective tissue um, that holds your bones together and holds your muscles uh, onto your bones. So the ligaments hold the bones together and then the tendons hold the muscles uh, onto the bones. And that tissue can increase and become stronger and does with weightlifting and with performance enhancing drug use, um, steroids and especially human growth hormone, um, that tissue 
becomes more dense and actually so does your bones themselves your bones actually get more dense and you don't even need performance enhancing drugs for these effects to happen you can just uh straight start weightlifting um there's been a lot of research done on this and uh, old people that get osteoporosis or for old people also preventing osteoporosis uh, since weightlifting itself or resistance training is how they phrase it and how they test it uh, increases the density of the bones and decreases uh, the bones breaking down in and uh, the uh, degeneration of bones in people that are getting osteoporosis so yeah weightlifting and anabolic use and human growth hormone use do increase the tendons and ligaments and bones density as well as your muscles they do everything they grow everything they grow everything trust me if you get a lot bigger they're growing your heart too dude that's just what happens your heart has the ability to grow and shrink anybody you know what people talk about left ventricular hypertrophy on anabolic steroids okay all right if you use steroids and you're planning on getting pretty big or if you get fat and you get like really huge, you know, the same as you would be if you were a bodybuilder. Like for me, um, I'm exactly five foot nine without shoes on. Okay. So before I started lifting weights, just when I was a normal full grown man, when I was 17, I'm still a boy, of course, but I was, uh, you know, full grown at that point, uh, had my full skeleton and everything. You know, I was only 145 pounds, and I wasn't like a naturally skinny guy. I was just a normal guy. Uh, so five foot nine, exactly, with no shoes, no tiptoes, you know, just completely, <laughs> exactly five foot nine, uh, and uh, 145 pounds. That was my natural weight, like living an athletic lifestyle, doing a lot of skateboarding, and I played uh, tackle football, but I didn't, but I didn't lift weights. Um, and so now at the, like, you know, I've weighed up to 240 pounds, um, now since I've been, uh, weightlifting and then using anabolics, uh, I'm 30 years old now. So that's been 14 years, 13, 14 years. And so that, that's a 95 pound increase in my body weight, um, since doing, since starting bodybuilding. So you know, if I didn't think that my heart grew to support that bigger body, you know, that would be completely illogical. Uh, of course, my heart has grown to support that body. So that's what happens to athletes. Okay, guys, when you do like super hard resistance training or when you do like a lot of endurance training or you do performance enhancing drugs or you gain a lot of body weight. It grows, it grows everything, like your entire body grows, like your, even your digestive system grows, the organs of it, they grow to support the bigger body, like your whole body gets bigger and smaller together. So that's the reality on like, you know, worrying about like, is my heart going to grow or am I going to get left ventricular hypertrophy from steroid use? Well, if you're like a, a serious athlete who's like lifting hard, like lift or, or uh, exercising like endurance training really hard 
any kind of serious athletics and you're doing that for an extended period of time, meaning decades, yeah, your heart changes. That's just the facts, okay? And, you know, whether you use steroids or not, or whether you use performance-enhancing drugs or not, that's happening. So if you do dramatic things like gaining 100 pounds from using performance-enhancing drugs uh, and developing some kind of huge body, uh, you know what? If you don't think that your heart is growing, you know, that that's completely unrealistic. That's completely unrealistic. Okay? So be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of what you're doing, young one. Young one. The old ones, they're aware of what they're doing. You know what? That's the funny thing with the with the older guys and um is a lot a lot of the older guys uh they're like, "Hey, you know, I got nothing to lose." And they're totally aware of what they're doing. And and they're like doing it maybe you could call it responsible abuse of performance enhancing drugs because <laughs> they're fully aware of the health effects and uh but then you got the these younger guys who you know they're totally not aware and they're it's just it's not like totally like inform informed at all it's a uh, totally uninformed abuse and just straight up abuse by the, <laughs> by the younger guys uh not not knowing what the possible side effects could be uh, and not caring to know but those older guys a lot of uh you guys would be surprised there's a lot of guys who are over 50 years old who use high dosage anabolics and obviously these guys know what it takes and because if you look at your gym if you go to a gym with big bodybuilders at it a lot of times the guys who are really big, uh, like seriously huge, like they have slabs of dense muscle all over their body. You know, most of the time they're over 30 years old. Sometimes no, sometimes no. But you know what? For some, for some reason, bodybuilders tend to peak later than uh, other sports. You know, they keep getting bigger later into their lives uh, compared to... You know, most athletes kind of peter out around 30 years old. That's usually when bodybuilders start heading into their their prime years. And then uh, there's there's some of these these guys that are uh, over 50 or around 60 years old, and they're running like um, uh, something like you know a thousand milligrams of testosterone, a thousand milligrams of trenbolone um 10 uh per week and maybe 10 IUs of human growth hormone per day and they're doing insulin with that and maybe metformin at the same time and uh maybe some thyroid hormone too and these guys will be like 50 or 60 years old and you know they'll you know I'll I'll ask them I'll ask these guys oh well what's your goal what makes you want to do that and it'll be something like well, because I want to achieve my childhood dream or like my, my teen, when I was a teenager or a young man in like my twenties or something, I had this dream of like looking like Steve Reeves or looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, 
now I'm in this later part of my life and I'm thinking like, you know, what do I want to do to like enjoy this like twilight of my life? And so they, they think, okay, I'm going to put, I'm going to put my focus into that, achieving that dream from when I was a younger guy. And so then that a lot of times is the reasoning for these guys, um, you know, they're, they are doing what you have to do to get, uh, to get really huge like that. Um, but that is sometimes the reason for these guys running the high dosages, uh, that are older like that. Cause some guys assume that only young guys run high dosages and that's totally not true. That's totally not true. You guys have to know that usually this is, this is pretty much like a hard rule. This is very unusual. If guys who are really big, you know, like the guys who are like, you know, they look like bodybuilders, like they, you know, they don't just look like a guy who's using a little bit of steroids. They look like bodybuilders. They have the shape and look of a bodybuilder. When you see them, you think that's a bodybuilder, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of guy in your gym, you know, they're usually always using somewhere between 1.5 grams and 2.5 grams gear combined. Uh, like if you combine all of their different testosterone and steroids together, the total dosage when they're on cycle would be somewhere between uh, like 1.5 grams added up, 1,500 milligrams added up altogether, um, or up to like 2,500 milligrams per week. That's like average. And it can go all the way up to like somewhere between like 3,500 milligrams up to like 4,500 or 5,000 milligrams per week. That would be a, a range. Those would be outliers though. Those, those really high dosages that I just now said, those are outliers. So that's not, that's not common, but it's, it happens, you know, the, these are dosages that are used by people in gyms around the world uh for certain levels of insane development that you see it it's not uh entirely uncommon to see this or for some guy that you may see to be using this you know who's benching four plates for reps uh things like that okay uh to be using anywhere from up to 3500 milligrams up to like 4,500 milligrams or so of total combined dosages of, you know, testosterone, DECA, uh, Trenbolone, uh, Equipoise, uh, Dianabol, Anadrol, whatever per week. If you add it all up together, you know, usually it's somewhere from 1,500 to 2,500 milligrams per week. But there are outliers that are up to like 3,500 milligrams to 4,000. 500 or so so <laughs> i'm just telling you guys the the general spectrum of what you see and what you can think of when you when you you know see bodybuilders when you see bodybuilders these are the general dosages because people wonder you know what are people using you know how much do people use or i wonder how much the, the biggest guy you know if you've seen somebody who's really big before but you know you don't usually see people these are the general ranges these are the general ranges that i'm telling you about some guys think they're going to become like a bodybuilder on like 500 milligrams of testosterone and like uh you know 
per week, 500 milligrams of testosterone per week, and 50 milligrams of Tremblone every other day. And you know what? That's that's never going to get you, like, hella huge. And without... Yeah, like, like you could get big on it. You could get big on it, okay? If you had <clears throat> genetics for being huge already, and you just ate like a freaking fiend, like a lot of junk food, but you wouldn't be able to, it would be more of a power lifter type of thing. If you were doing that kind of thing, it would be a more of a power lifter type of thing that, that will never be enough. That will never be enough gear to, to really do the bodybuilder thing. Uh, if you think that that's going to be something that's going to get you a really big, thick, dense, uh, voluminous, uh, muscle fiber tissue look and bodybuilder look bodybuilders just have a signature look where you know one where you know someone is one and you know where some when someone is not one it is it's not a when you just see the person and you see the, basically the outline of their body you know like the, what the shadow would look like or the silhouette it just instantly you just know that's a bodybuilder and you either got it or you don't okay so people have been asking like about, you know, what do these aesthetics guys use? What do these aesthetics guys use? Z's, John Skywalker, Jeff Side. All right. Well, you know what? They say what they use, you know, uh, like John Skywalker. He's a, uh, you know, these guys are all models. These guys are all models that, uh, that a lot of young guys, they really look up to these guys. And you know what? They got some uh, inspiring traits, you know? They, they've got some, these guys have got some charismatic traits. You know, Z's went to Thailand and died in Pattaya, a, uh, a city a city known for its, um, it's like Las Vegas, if there was no rules in Las Vegas. If you had all the people in Las Vegas who were there to do what they were doing, but there were no rules. That's what Pattaya is like. So... That's where Z's died. And, uh, you know, the, but anyways, he was like the, the first guy who inspired all these, uh, all these other guys now who do this thing where they, they like this skinny look or it's not really a skinny look, but it's a lean, slender, uh, muscular look. It's a slit. It's a very athletic look. I guess you could say it's an athletic muscular look like a, a muscular, athlete kind of like a an extra dense athlete or you know they don't look that much different than i guess i see a cornerback in the nfl look or something like that or you know maybe i don't think they get as big as running backs in the nfl you know maybe N nba basketball players but shrunk down you know not quite as tall as an nba basketball player where some of them are but Anyways, David Laid, he's another one of these these mo these models that is really popular among these young guys. Uh and th these guys what they what they use is they use like a like a testosterone enanthate or a testosterone or a testosterone propionate and the trenbolone enanthate or the trenbolone acetate. And they do these things at a uh, basically 3 to 400 milligrams up to 500 milligrams or so of each of these hormones per week. And some of them also use human growth hormone and some of them don't. Um, like two to four 
like two to four IUs, five IUs of growth hormone per day, pharmaceutical grade growth hormone per day. And you understand it has to be pharmaceutical grade growth hormone or it doesn't count. Because generic is no good. It's not the same thing. So they use that. Some of them use a little bit of metformin too. So, you know, 1,000 milligrams per day of metformin up to 2,500 milligrams or so per day of metformin if they're eating a lot of junk food. But, you know, those are the kinds of dosages that these guys are running. And some of them uh, increase the trenbolone sometimes too, up to like 700 milligrams or so. And some of these guys run Anivar too. Sometimes they'll run or... You know, they could be running Anivar instead of Trenbolone at some times. Uh, other guys, like Callum Von Moger, appears to be using Primabolin and Equipoise, Baldanon. These are just my takes looking at these guys, um, hearing about some of the cycles that they run, talking with some of the people that train with them. And uh, also using my eyes um, to discern. Using my eyes to discern. Which is, for you natural guys, it'll be like taking a bite of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When you get on steroids for the first time. Because right now you're innocent and you don't know what steroids look like. So you're not really able to discern them. You haven't taken a bite from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and e of good and evil yet, okay? But after that first injection, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but after you know that first D-ball tablet or first Tran injection, yes, or first Superdrol tablet or first Anadrol tablet, it takes a few days to kick in. But after the first week of doing that, you know those really strong sledgehammer type drugs uh, for bodybuilding you will know you will, you will have taken a bite from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and you will know what steroids look like and as you become more and more experienced you will gain a better and better eye of being able to know what the effects of certain steroids are and what certain steroids and performance-enhancing drugs look like when other people are using them or the shakiness in my voice right now because of the clenbuterol that I'm on. Next question. Jack Sino asks, oh, he asks, can you list some cycles for fitness models? All right, we got that one. We got that one down. Uh, he also asks, is there a difference between building muscles with testin deca or testin anivar or testin other steroids? Muscle will grow the same or not. So I think he's talking about the quality. And so what you want to be doing is you want to be building up muscle fiber tissue, okay, over time. And this, this is how you get bigger and bigger and bigger over time is... You got to be making progress in the gym 
So if those steroids that you just now mentioned allow you to make progress in the gym, whichever uh, whichever of those steroids, uh, the testin DECA or the testin Anivar or the testin other steroid, whatever, whatever ones allow you to make the most progress in the gym over time steadily and break through plateaus will be the one that builds the most solid quality muscle fiber tissue over time, okay? So it's like I said uh, earlier in the podcast is that, you know, these big guys, you know, the, the big, the really big guys, you know, you may not see them always training with heavy weights, but I'm telling you, they can lift those heavy weights if they want to. Okay. Like they can, if you, if you get big like that, you are strong as fuck. Okay. Like, you know, power lifters think this is pretty strong. Okay, so there's a there's a video of Kai Green, uh, IFBB bodybuilder, uh, doing like ten to twelve reps on the incline bench press with five plates on each side, and like powering that those reps out full full range of motion reps, touching his chest on the incline bench press barbell bench press. So there's a video of that, and so people. You know, that is strong as shit, okay? And, you know, most bodybuilders aren't that strong, okay? That's that's strong as hell. Uh, insanity. But, you know, they are strong. Most IFBB pro bodybuilders can do four plates. Not all of them on a bench press, but most can, okay? There's exceptions. There's exceptions. Some are weak weaker but none of them are that weak none of them are that weak most of them are pretty fucking strong so understand that and understand that uh, when you're in the gym and you're training you want to be choosing the steroids that make you be able to if you don't lift heavy weights you can still progress in other ways like uh, clustering your sets closer together with less rest periods but using heavy you know, medium weights for a long time. So like, you know, say you were doing the, the dumbbell bench press and you were doing 10 reps, uh, with a hundred pound dumbbells each hand. And if you can now, um, or maybe only 80 pounds, you know, cause maybe, maybe lifting lighter. Okay. Lifting lighter and 80 pounds each hand. And now, you know, at one point you can do five sets of 10 reps um, in 10 minutes, you know? So that would be on an average one set every two minutes, including doing the set for that time. Um, you know, five times for 10 minutes. Now, you know, what if you get down to doing those five sets in five minutes? Okay, that's a huge stimulus being able to do complete all five sets in five minutes, that's a huge increase in stimulus, okay? And so that is one way that you can get bigger without um, without increasing the weights lifted. And that's one way that by clustering those sets together like that, that you can utilize um, those lower weights to gain bigger muscles, okay? But that still does build very strong muscles at the same time. It's just that those guys aren't, they're not doing it. They're they're just not performing those to prevent to prevent injury. 
Um, but they could if they wanted to. But they might get injured too. And they know that. But they do get very strong lifting that way. All right. So next question. And last one on that is just use the steroids that, you know, that was one way to get bigger. That was one way to get bigger without using heavier weights. Um, and the moral of that whole thing was to use the steroids that make you be able to progress in the gym. And whatever progression that you're using, you know, whatever kind of overload that you're using or making progress in the gym, whatever gauge that you're using of that, you need to be using the performance enhancing drugs and steroids that make you be able to do that better over time that's how you're going to make continued steady progress uh in bodybuilding so on the next question ron asks hey dan i know people are able to run high doses of deca only cycles but was wondering can people stack sarms like lgd 4033 s4 rad 140 on a deca only cycle or were they run into problems i wouldn't see a problem with that because the reason why people run into problems on deca only cycles is because they use testosterone with it and there's some kind of weird you know you know some people don't have problems but most people do have uh sexual dysfunction problems when they run testosterone and deca together but then people most people do not when they run deca with no testosterone okay uh so People, he's wondering, you know, if the, is there going to be problems if he adds SARMs? Well, the reason why the, the testosterone creates the problem with the DECA is it has some kind of weird synergy. And this weird synergy with the DECA produces all kinds of weird receptor stimulation with the progesterone and the prolactin receptors and shuts your sexual function and your sex drive off and your sexual ability off. So really makes uh, the dick not get hard. And so if you don't have testosterone in there, this doesn't happen. So like D-ball works with DECA with no testosterone or like Winstrol or Primobolin or lots of different hormones. Lots of different hormones work, but just the combination of testosterone and DECA, Nandrolone, it's no good. So... Yeah, you can use SARMs with it. They're not going to be creating any female hormones like testosterone will that interact with the DECA and make a freaking nightmare, freaking shit show, female hormone stimulation, nightmare. Next question is from Jeff. Is T2 a good diet supplement? This is a good question. So I've seen this sold uh, as a dietary supplement, and I've... You know, I was I was seeing that and I was like, oh, interesting. It's, they're selling a thyroid hormone in a dietary supplement. And I looked into it a bit. And uh, it's it actually is an active thyroid hormone. The testing that has been done on it has shown that, you know, there's T3. That's the natural active thyroid hormone. And then T2 is another thyroid hormone that is uh, less, it's it's less produced. It's not, it's not one of the primary thyroid hormones that's produced. T4 is a, a pro hormone to thyroid hormone. And T4 is an effective thyroid hormone for increasing your metabolic rate. Um, and so T2 when taken at high dosages. So whatever that manufacturer's thing is like, you know, on the supplement label, you'd probably have to take that much, the maximum or double 
<laughs> this is not advice. It's a, it was a joke, dude. It was a joke. I'm not glorifying any of this content. This is not glorification. I'm just telling, uh, telling the way that it would be most effective, but not encouraging you to do that. Just saying the facts, stating reality. Uh, yeah, if you take that, it does speed up your metabolism. There's been testing done on it, and uh, yes, it does in humans speed up their metabolism. It's an active thyroid hormone. It doesn't turn into any other thyroid hormones in the body. Uh, but when that T2 thyroid hormone is in your body, you know, you're going to be hotter and you're going to be burning more energy. Uh, and also, one of the main problems with dieting that like really screws dieting up is that in a lot of people that don't have like really high thyroid levels, when they start to diet, their thyroid levels like react really hard and uh, slow the metabolism right down as they try to diet. And a lot of people's thyroids are like really effective at doing this. And uh, so it's like counteracting. And so sometimes you'll feel this confusion feeling like, oh, I need to eat carbs. And then you'll eat carbs and your thyroid will speed back up and you'll be like, whoa, like my body is burning so much hotter again. And, you know, you're like hotter after eating and like you have so much uh, more energy for a little while again. Uh, and then you'll notice, uh, you know, you drop out carbs and it'll be like, whoa, I'm burning fat like crazy. But then if you keep the carbs out for like, you know, another week or so, then it can like kind of like slow to more of like a grinding more of a grind and it's it's not working like so well anymore or just dieting at general even even if you don't drop out the carbs just dieting in general but carbs generally is the antidote for this um for this effect and so that's why people do they say like i like a carb cycling diet or they say you know i like some days you know you know with low carb or no carbs or some meals even with no carbs uh because of the thyroid hormone thing so the reason why people take thyroid hormone usually when dieting is to prevent this from happening. So then you don't have to do this yo-yo thing because it's pretty uncomfortable going from not eating carbs to going to eating carbs or, you know, even doing cheat days. Like once you're in dieting mode and you're not eating uh, and you're not eating uh, the, the wrong foods or the wrong amounts of foods, you just want to stay in that lane and you don't want to stop uh, doing cheat cheat days and stuff like that. It, it helps maintain your metabolism and keep the progress going. <clears throat> and if you're not using thyroid hormone, it's, it's basically like necessary um, to do that. But, you know, that's a major inconvenience having to do that. I'd rather just stay in the lane and just keep on doing the diet and eating the diet foods until you're lean and keep on having that fast burning metabolism going the whole time. And, you know, unless you're bo someone that's born with a super high thyroid levels, um, that tends to be the case with like, I would say more than like 50% of people, like when they start to diet, like the thyroid slows down really fast and really reactive to prevent them from gaining weight. So that's the reason why people use thyroid hormone. Um, beware when you come off of thyroid hormone, there's a two week lag period where your thyroid, like it's really like seven days, but like until like the thyroid levels are completely fully back it's kind of like two weeks but uh especially during that first seven days your metabolism is like super sluggish uh because you'll have low thyroid levels as your your thyroid uh recovers 
uh, from being shut down from the external thyroid replacement therapy that you're giving yourself. And uh, you'll think like, oh, I need energy. And so you'll like eat more like food, especially like sugary food. And oh my God, you'll have no thyroid hormone levels and it'll just all go to fat. And so if you let that happen, if you eat, if you eat like a not eating a low carb diet, when you go off of thyroid hormone, you will put on fat like crazy the first seven to 14 days uh, after you come off. There is a harsh rebound on the stuff. All right. Next question. Woo dog. Little history. Woo dog asks. Little history. I'm a disabled vet with major atrophy in my legs. I'm trying to do a cycle to increase strength and help reduce my pain levels. The doctor at the VA just wants shove opiates at me. I just want to regain as much strength and mobility as possible. So I keep up with my kids. Okay. So you want to do a cycle. You have pain and atrophy in your legs and uh, you need strength and mobility. Uh, to do your lifestyle to play with your kids and you want to do a cycle okay so deca is the one that uh the doctors actually prescribe for uh for joint for joint pain so deca and human growth hormone uh, i'm not a doctor and this is not medical advice this is just relaying me inform this is me relaying you information uh but not medical advice, okay? Talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor. But uh, <clears throat> testosterone uh, and DECA, hormone replacement therapy, uh, typically in dosages of uh, one or two cc's of each per week, typically. Now we're talking bodybuilding. Forget that anything was said about doctors, okay? We're just going to talk about bodybuilding. One or two cc's of DECA per week. One or two cc's of testosterone per week. Two to five, four IU's of human growth hormone per day. And uh, that will get you nice and strong and healthy. Uh, mainly, yes, your joints will be in a maximum healing environment. And uh, promoting a maximum lubrication of the joints. And also build up of strength of bones tendons and ligaments and then if you're still having problems with pain which i think it will help you to reduce pain also make sure to do that soft tissue work like rolling on balls what i do is i roll on a croquet ball every day every single day i have a hard as hard as fuck croquet ball and i put that I put that shit right under my back or right under my leg or right under the scar even to get that scar tissue out from under my freaking leg surgery. That huge freaking scar on my leg from that botched injection. And uh, roll, roll around. I roll around with all my body weight on top of that ball. And it's like a deep tissue massage and it breaks up all the adhesions that form. Because a bunch of adhesions form and scar tissue form from weightlifting or doing injections of anabolic steroids into the muscles 
or from injuries or strains, strains from weightlifting, strains in the gym, and from just the building muscle process. There's scar tissue that forms and adhesions that form between the muscles. And these things cause major pain and cause pressure on nerves that are running inside the muscles. And you got to do deep tissue massage. You got to either do this kind of thing, rolling on a hard ball or something like that. You put it like if you got stuff in your back, you put it under your back and then you lift yourself up on your feet and then you lie. You're like a you're like a freaking tripod with like one one part, (laughs) your back, your upper back is on the ball. And then you got, you know, your feet on the ground and then your ass is lifted up so that all your weight is put into that tripod and it goes right down into that ball and up your back and it gives you a deep tissue massage and you got to do that or you got to go get massages or you got to get somebody to be walking on you walking on your back walking on your legs you got to be doing something okay because this is a real thing and all athletes have to deal with this so if you're an amateur athlete you know somebody in the gym a bodybuilder (laughs) you know what real athletes (laughs) do uh they do uh this kind of soft tissue work and you know if you consider yourself a real athlete you got to be doing it too or else you're going to be in a lot of pain so i advise doing this for you guys that are in pain soft tissue work okay Another really, uh, really valuable tool for doing soft tissue work is a Theracane. Or you see those guns. Do you see those, those, uh, those like hammer guns that are being advertised recently? Those are good too, where it like it like pounds the spot. You know, it's to to hammer out muscle bruises. There's been quite a bit of advertising for those recently. I've seen them like as a trending uh, item on the market, and yeah, that that's a good one. Um, all right, next question. Nubius guy says, how can I boost my testosterone levels? All right, best way to boost your testosterone levels that is really going to boost your testosterone levels is Clomid, Novidex, or HCG, okay? So, Clomid at 50 to 100 milligrams per day. Novidex at 25 to 40 to 60 milligrams per day hcg which is the most least it's the least desirable one at to do this okay if you're just trying to boost your testosterone levels this is the least desirable because the other ones don't have a come down and this one does okay it has a withdrawal period if you just go off of it after using it at high dosages and hcg would be at 3000 ius per week okay injected three times into the muscle with an insulin syringe so those are just the facts. The most the most desirable one out of those three is Novidex, you know, 40 to 60 milligrams per day for raising your testosterone to like two or three times their natural levels. And there's not really a come down. There isn't a come down at all, actually. And uh, yeah, that's just the straight up facts about the drugs. Uh, there may be some kind of other... Um, you know, considerations, you know, people sit, might say, like, oh, it lowers IGF-1 or something. Well, you know, you just asked me how to boost testosterone, so I told you how to boost testosterone, okay? And let me tell you one other thing. And this is, this is I'm, t- I'm saying it nicely. 
if I sounded if I sounded a little bit serious there, I am serious, but at the same time, I'm I'm nice serious. So no one ever got big using Novadex, okay? So if you're trying to use freaking Novadex to boost your testosterone and turn into some kind of juiced up steroid dude, then uh, sorry, not happening. <laughs> So if you just want to boost your testosterone, yeah, and get your testosterone numbers way up, use the Novadex. But if you're trying to like use this as a performance enhancing drug, uh, you're going to be disappointed. Taroxel asks, how do you decide if you should use steroids? All right. This is totally a personal decision. First, never break the law in your country. Never break the law. And never do anything illegal, you know. And, and and also tell your lawmakers not to make any illegal laws, like making female anabolic, estrogenic, progestogenic steroids. Not very anabolic, though. In birth control, legal and free, paid for by the government, and then making male hormones an illegal drug. So, ask your politicians why they made that illegal law, please. If that's the case in your country. But, if we're talking about how to decide to use steroids, is you gotta say this. You know, be realistic. You know with your gut what you have to do. If you look around and use your eyes, and your goals are, you know, you need to be a bodybuilder for some reason... Or you need to be a professional athlete for some reason. Or you need to be doing something where, you know, this is required. Because I don't recommend these for recreation or messing around. I just don't. I don't think it's good for that. I only think it's good for people who, they, they pretty much know, like, before even they start using them, like, I'm going to need to use these. Like, this is something I'm going to need to use. Or it's something I'm going to have to use, you know. I have, you know, because to be honest, before you use them, it's not really like an attractive thing to do because it's mostly socially taboo. And it's like, I think it has something to do with like when you're a man, you want everything to be like all you, like you want everything to be all you. And that's part of that is a macho thing. And then the the steroids give a more macho look. So it's kind of, it seems a bit incongruent with uh, what you're trying to do. Seems a bit incongruent with what you're trying to do. So I think that's the reason for the social stigma, like the deep psychological reason for the social stigma. Or the feeling like, um, like I want it to be all me, like I want to be natural. Um, but when you just got to know what you, what your goals are and what is necessary for you to have, have happen in your life though. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why you should definitely not be a teenager. You know, you should definitely be an adult, you know, over 18 at the absolute minimum, you know, and, and you know, over under 21 at the minimum, <laughs> or I mean over 21 at the minimum. And then, you know, 25, 24 or so, 23, and up, you know, do what you do what you want. 
Uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta know what are these going to be necessary, and you gotta be realistic and know what you want, know what you want in your life, and then you gotta face the facts and don't try to hide from reality because deep down like in your gut you know what you have to do like i'm dead serious like just don't hide from it and don't like try and like rationalize anything like all the rationalizing that you've been doing and and feeling like oh my god like i can't decide and you know you ask yourself you stop and ask yourself like why am i doing this you know and and then you just be honest with yourself for a second and you just say like you know what is it that i need to do with my life you know and are these things going to be necessary or not you know and and you know in your gut whether that's true or not it's very clear to you it's very clear to everyone it's very clear to every one of us that have ever made the decision to do this and then continued doing it there there's this point okay and that's that's where you decide and you make a decision yes or no and you know it's not something that you should be messing around with if you know you're not able to ever come around to that kind of a decision because it's a hassle it's a hassle it's putting a hassle into your life if you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.